Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 12th of February 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is fortunate to be blessed with amazing wildlife. We have barking deers and pangolins, scopes owls and greater green snakes. We have changeable lizards and caterpillars with dragon heads, egrets and herons and monkeys too. And today, as we hike through the hills of Hong Kong, we'll be looking for our elusive natural neighbors and listening to two stories about them. The first is a story from Katie about things underground, and the second is a story from X, which considers the veracity of fables. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge but virtual hug goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. As we get ready for Valentine's Day behind a surgical mask, we want to tell you how much your spending time listening to our stories means to us. Continue to take care of yourselves and one another. Thanks go out around the world too, especially to listeners in Elsa Craig in Ontario in Canada, Dubai in the UAE, and Florence in Italy. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our February show has been postponed. The entire population of our glorious city is in a holding pattern at the moment, and with kids being off school and public gatherings discouraged, we decided to try again in March for our next show. It will have the same theme, though, Fifty Shades of Red, and will be as awesome as ever. Have a look at the website hongkongstories.com for details of how to find out what's happening in the next months. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now with a story from the October 2019 show, which had the theme Unearthed, here is Katie. So I'm here to tell you about the best night of my life, but I have to warn you, it involves a full moon, a red light, and hot, dirty sex. Oh, and worms. Okay, so it's 2002, and I'm 20 years old. I'm living at home with my parents in a suburb of Chicago, and they live on this beautiful lake. And in the summer months, I spend nearly every night on this lake. Now, as beautiful as it is, for some reason as a 20-year-old, I was kind of embarrassed that I was still living with my parents because all of my friends were either at university or were living in an apartment, and I just couldn't afford to move out yet. So I became really frugal. I was saving every dollar I could possibly save. Like if my friends went out to the pub, I'd just rent a movie and stay home instead. I was packing my lunch instead of going out to dinners, and you know, I was buying my clothes secondhand. I was saving as much as I could, except there was one thing that I was wasting a lot of money on. Okay, I started out buying a dozen a month, and then it was like a dozen every other week, and then it was like a dozen every other day. What are the dozens I'm spending all my money on? Worms. <laughs> That's right, night crawlers, live bait, the thing on the end of a fish hook. You see, I grew up fishing on that lake, and that summer, I had taught my boyfriend, Blake, how to fish as well. And it wasn't long before, you know, he got pretty good, and every night, we would spend on the lake fishing, and we decided, hey, let's make this a competition. So we decided that we would give all of the fish points based on their size and their rarity. So 
Bluegill, one point. Perch, three point. Bass, five point. Walleye, ten point. But the biggest fish that was the most points was the northern pike with 30 points. It was the one you wanted, your dream fish. And we decided, let's sweeten the deal. The loser is going to have to buy the winner a fancy Italian dinner at a very expensive restaurant. Now, we had totally different strategies. I was using up as many worms as possible, catching those easy one and three point fish. I would rack up as many points, and I would just enough tie Blake, who was the quality to my quantity. He would use only the nicest worms, and he would wet and get the five and ten point fish. But somehow, despite our different strategies, we were pretty much tied at the end of the summer. And you have to think, I had double motivation to win this competition because, A, I had taught Blake how to fish, so it would look really bad if I lost. And, B, I wanted to move out of the house. I couldn't be spending money on this expensive Italian dinner. I had to save every possible dollar. So I was really motivated. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why is she spending so much money on worms when they live under rocks <laughs> you could get them for free? Let me do a quick education to, on the different types of worms. Underneath the rocks that you know, those little tiny worms, those are called red wigglers. And no self-respecting fish would be caught dead eating one of those, okay? <laughs> Especially not the 30-pointer. Then you know the fish, or the worm, the common earthworm. It comes out after it rains, but those are really fragile, and they don't really do well on a fish hook. But there is a type of worm, a magical worm, that is the thickness of your pinky, called a nightcrawler. And they don't, you've never seen one in the wild. And you only buy them at bait shops, or in my case, at gas stations. And where I grew up, you would buy them, literally, in the refrigerated section, the next to the 12 packs of soda and the 12 packs of beer were 12 packs of worms. <laughs> so we were spending all of our money on these stupid night crawlers until one day I got an idea. Night crawler? I ran up to my parents' dial-up internet. <coughs> After this, I looked up night crawlers and found out they really do crawl at night. And not only that, they come out in a full moon to find their mate. So I look up the next... <laughs> yeah, this <it is> cute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I look up. When is the next full moon? As luck would have it, it was the next night. So I take copious notes about how to catch night crawlers. And I run up to my room and I pick the perfect worm hunting outfit. And the next night, after the internet told me that midnight was the best time to catch them, I go up to my closet, and despite the hot August heat, I put on all black shirt, all tight black pants, black shoes, a black headlamp with a red lens, because apparently worms can't see red, and I even had black gloves that were going to help me grab these slippery little suckers. I wait till midnight, and I stealthily snuck out of the house like a Navy SEAL underneath this full moon and expecting this payload of worms, and I get out onto the grass, and I see nothing. 
what the heck? It's like, is it too hot? Is it the red lamp? I take off the red lamp. I look a little bit. Nothing. Yeah, right? Of course. I mean, who's ever heard of these magical night crawlers crawling around anyways? Go back, peel off my sweat-covered worm hunting outfit, and I go to bed. But then I wake up at 3 a.m. to an even brighter full moon in my room, and I think, should I go back out? Or just go back to sleep. And I would like to think this is where the real fisherman in me decided I couldn't give up a good hunt. And I decided, forget the black clothes. I'm going out in my pajamas and bare feet. And instead of a Navy SEAL, this time I look like a wild SEAL, <laughs> like a real predator. And I went out onto the grass and I realized it had rained. At least it looked like rain. It was like thousands of beads of water were like reflecting this moonlight. And then I like adjusted my eyes and I realized those beads are not water. Those are little shiny worm bodies all over the grass. There were thousands of them. And so I didn't have my gloves. So I reached down and I try to pull one and it goes right through my fingers. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. All right, think smart. Use two hands. Go down with two hands. And they won't budge. And what I learned then was that night crawlers have this like hair on the bottom of their belly that grabs onto the dirt if they think they're being attacked by a predator, and it will not let go. So I've got to outwit these night crawlers and be this wild predator. So I scan the grass and I find a little dirt patch and I go over there and I realize these worms are like twice the size. So I go down and I get ready to grab one with two hands. And it was so easy, I could, I almost like fell over. And I pick up this worm, and the reason it was like twice the size was because there was twice as many. They were connected. Under the full moon, I had walked into these worms having hot, dirty sex. <laughs> basically a worm orgy. And if I worked fast, I could get them out of the ground really easily because they were so distracted by their <clears throat> activities. So I start pulling them, boop, 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 putting them in the bucket, boop, 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 boop. And I am just like filling up this bucket. Before you know it, you can't even see the bottom of the bucket. It is just this like slimy, mucousy mess of tangled post-coital night crawlers. <laughs> And I just, you know, start getting as many as I can. And soon the sun starts to come up and I realize, like, all right, you know, like, have a little, like, respect. <laughs> you know, go and count your haul. And so I go into my garage and I get a big cardboard box and I fill it with dirt. And I start counting the worms. Two, four, six. I'm, like, not even making a dent in the box. 100, 200, 300, 400. The final worm... 432. <laughs> and these, this was the best night of my life. I mean, these were really good worms. I used them for the rest of the summer to catch these one in three point fish. Boom. I wasn't even that upset when Blake took one of the meatiest worms, put it in the water, and caught the 30 point northern pike to win the competition. I didn't even get mad. Because that box of worms in my garage continued to make new worms. And I never had to buy a worm again. Thank you. <laughs>
Does the best night of your life involve wildlife? We suspect not. But if it does, we'd like to hear that story. You can tell us your story at one of our free workshops or email us a story that we might even read on the podcast. The stories that you email us have to be your story and they have to be true stories, but after that, they could be anything at all. Send them through the contact us form on the website, hongkongstories.com. Now with the question about a famous fable, here is X. You may be familiar with Aesop's fable, the hard-working ant who prepare for their winter and the lazy grasshopper. But in my fable of the ant and the grasshopper, this is not the case. When I was a kid, I caught grasshopper. After playing with them, I released them in a park below my apartment miles away from their home. They survived well there, and after a period of time, I still find them there. Some week later, I look at the park from my apartment. I ask myself, can I survive and live happily if I move to somewhere I have never been to. I don't think I can do so. Even moved out of Taipo, where my original home was. Time passed, and I grown up. One morning, I go to the car park to pick up my car. I find panicked ants rushing back and forth on the dashboard because they lost their way home. As they were relocated from my working place to the car park, <laughs> that's my fault because I left food after work in the car. <laughs> after I saw the panic ants, I recall grasshopper, and I realized Aesop's fable deframes grasshopper. A <laughs> uh, grasshopper do not rely on a particular place called home, which is the quality I have admired since I was a kid. And now I live a life more similar to a grasshopper than an ant. Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.